This is a Rooster Teeth production. We've covered countless stories of UFO sightings from those across the world, all occurring on the ground. But this week, we look at a sighting that supposedly occurred in the air. In the fall of 1986, a three-man flight crew reported seeing beams of light and a mothership pursuing their aircraft over Alaska. Today, let's dive back into the realm of the extraterrestrial as we look at the mystery of the Japan Airlines cargo flight 1628 incident. This is Red Web. Task Force, welcome back. It is Red Web, and so you know what that means. It is another Mystery Monday. I'm Trevor Collins, bringing you the juice around the extraterrestrial and reacting to that juice in his sippy cup of knowledge, Alfredo Diaz. Look, that I'm was looking. a mouthful of an intro. Okay? It was. You got, I'm a, yeah, I'm going to ask you to squeeze real hard okay, okay. on them notes. <laughs> okay? Into my sippy cup of yeah, knowledge yeah. so I could sip it down in a... Very simple fashion. We'll get that gulped down <laughs> nice and nice and smooth. I'll get this paper mache squeezed. Now, Christian, before we dive too far into this one, we do have the sippy cup of knowledge on the way. Do we know when that's coming out? Yes. I Give me like 20 seconds. I'll give you a date. You do that. And while you do that, I want to just go ahead and admit, normally I come into these having known everything about the mystery, prepared with the research and the outline, mm-hmm. and then you, Alfredo, react to the information, That's asking the job. questions, proxy for the audience. Now, I'll be honest. I like extraterrestrials. I wanted to dive into this one alongside you. So Ooh, as I read this I one. I like this experiment. Yeah. So this one will be one of those. I, I do this periodically where yeah, I want to learn also, together. Yeah, I want to dive in with you. So that is what we're going to do today for this Cargo Flight 1628. Fascinating stuff. I only read a little bit of the outline so far. Okay, okay. And, you, uh, a little, you saw the teaser trailer. A tip of the knowledge. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. the tip of the iceberg. Why are you laughing, Christian? What's going no, on? Just, just a good, he, he uh, finds, good, good comparison. We're <laughs> 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 missing podcasts about movies. Okay, we know this already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Lean into it. I forgot. All right. The chair. Yes. What do we got? As of recording today, mm-hmm. the Sippy Cup of Knowledge is launching February 17th. Okay. So we, got, we got some time, but on the calendar we do have a new hoodie coming out cyber monday here at the end of november so mm-hmm. if you want to get through the holidays all cozy warm and feeling mysterious you can get that store.roosterteeth.com in january we got a squonk plush in february we got the sippy cup of knowledge we got a couple of accoutrement in there i think we're going to have a baby yeah. hands cupid shirt at some point yes and then we're going to refresh the baby awesome. hands plush because i was like i want him caked up oh yeah <laughs> with little wings oh he's He's full and of cake. It, I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, Task mm-hmm. Force, his wings are very tiny for how thick he is. <laughs> it's, it's like Bugs Life on that man. He's like, I'm a beautiful butterfly. He's so, he's so thick for those wings. Oh, he's it's adorable. <laughs> yeah, and then we, you know, we, we, you know, we, you know, teasing a little bit here, but we talked about how we just wanted to have more baby hands. And oh yeah, different variants. So we're gonna have variants, but before we get to the variants, we are just gonna refresh your your box standard, your stock standard baby hands plush because i don't feel like enough people got a hand on that, baby that hands. that is definitely the number one most asked thing yeah people are just like yo are those coming back yo so, are we stocking those so pencil them in yo, sometime yo, so there's um you got a lot of stuff yeah you know, on the way no firm date for the baby hands restock but looking like february march so sometime Ooh, early next year probably, probably march if probably i could guess march, especially yeah. since we got the plush in january right, but right. anyway 
that's some uh, some early. I don't know. I just kind of Those ripped that early one teases, out. Some, but you guys, hey, look, Trevor spilled the beans. Listen, um, I don't have. I I eat beans. Wheeled like a piggy. I eat beans <laughs> off a plate. Okay, they go flipping and flopping off that plate. Wait, what was his superhero name? The squealing oh, piggy. The, the squealing pig. Oh, or the perfect. Pig? Yeah, something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. What were you? <laughs> I was the wombat, weren't you? It was the flying wombat. Flying, flying wombat. Bom- wombat. And then you are yeah. the, the chair. chair. The chair. Yeah. Like, simple. All right. <laughs> well, with some business out of the way, I hope you all are doing well here going into the holiday season. Really appreciate you all continuing to listen to us. And I hope you're feeling nice and cozy warm wherever you are. Let's go ahead and strap into this flight flying above Alaska, the Japan Airlines cargo flight 1628. This one all kicks off November 17th, 1986. This flight was going from Paris, France to Tokyo, Japan with a layover, like I mentioned there, in Anchorage, Alaska. Inside this Boeing 747-200, there were three crew members. Captain Kenju Terauchi, First Officer Takanori Tamafuji, and Flight Engineer Yoshie Tsukuba. This was a cargo flight, and the plane was carrying some Beaujolais wine. Some good, tasty stuff, I imagine. As the flight approached Anchorage at 5.11 p.m. local time and heading southwest, Captain Terauchi straightened the plane and noticed two objects to the left. Their plane was at a cruising altitude of 35,000 feet, and he believed that these objects were 2,000 feet below the plane, or about 600 meters if you prefer. At first, he just assumed that these were military aircraft of some kind, because it's not very common that you're going to see other aircraft flying relatively close to another one. Right. All up in your airspace. Have you ever been on like high altitude aircraft and seen another plane flying by? No, but, and it almost feels like it wasn't real, mm-hmm. but I did have a flight and we're like, you know, the, like, oh, you know, we're like 30 minutes out from landing, like, you know, stow away your trays and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then it ended up being like 50 minutes. And then the captain was like, yeah, we had to uh, course correct. There was another plane in our lane, and uh, so that's why we're running a little bit late here. And I was like, cool, just a plane in our lane. Awesome. Anyways, <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess we moved out of their way. Right. The uh, information that is best kept a secret. Right. Perhaps. I felt like was, that was a subtle, like, uh, we messed up, and there were planes too close to each other. Yeah. I've only had it one time, and it was on an international flight, so you're way up at altitude. And even then, it seemed very far away. But it's amazing when they're going the opposite direction, how fast they go whizzing by. Oh, wow. But all that is to say, it's not super common that you no, look down no. and see other aircraft. It's just too dangerous to be that close. Exactly. That fast. So at first, he assumed, like I said, that they were military aircraft. But after a few minutes, he continued to see the objects at the same relative position to the plane, which meant that they were keeping pace with this flight. Yes, he estimated that they were about 2,000 feet below, But considering they were in the exact same spot, clearly there was some attention being had that they were kind of tracking along this plane. Terauchi described them as, quote, belts of light. The crew radioed the control tower in Anchorage to ask if there were any other air traffic in this area. Air traffic controllers in Anchorage did not hear or see anything on the radar, but they said that they were intermittently picking up another aircraft nearby. So they're like, hey, the skies are clear, nothing on the radar. Well, except sometimes, which is kind of which is Ooh, very eerie. That's eerie. And that, that was going to be something. I mean, I didn't ask it because I was like, okay, we'll probably get to it. But like, what did like air traffic control mm-hmm. see? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they, they they tune in. Um, I mean, 19, was it 19, like 86? 86, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like tech is there. It's there. Yeah. Um, nowadays, more automated, I think, planes. Um, but 
they saw something and if it's appearing disappearing i mean obviously the first thought there is that, like some kind of government aircraft that right you know, know about stealth. like a stealth bomber type vehicle uh, aircraft something like that crazy enough they're transporting wine like how good is this damn wine the, it must be well known interplanetarily because right. uh we got those extraterrestrials coming for it you know <laughs> like, this is the juice of the humans the their knowledge must be within the juice we must, <laughs> we must get the wine now it is it is french it says beaujolais but it just sounds like good juice <laughs> If I were if I were to translate that as a cognate, yeah, a perfect translation there from Trevor Collins. Good juice is good. Jule, just gonna say that's juice. Go go ahead and uh, take a a shot at it. It's juice. Uh, But yeah, so creepy enough, they see this aircraft. It's tracking. They they call it a belt of lights, and it's not showing up on radar. And so the only thing I can think of is air traffic is saying we know it's military, but we can't tell you that. Or we kind of are letting you know that we know there's a blip in the area, but that's about it. Now, for seven minutes, Terauchi continued to see the objects alongside the plane when suddenly this happened. Quote, and this is from Terauchi, quote, There was some kind of reverse thrust, and the lights became dazzlingly bright. Our cockpit lit up. The thing was flying as if there was no such thing as gravity. It sped up, then stopped, then flew at our speed in our direction, so that to us, it looked like it was standing still. The next instant, it changed course. There was no way a jumbo could fly like that. If we tried, we'd break apart in midair. In other words, the flying object had overcome gravity. Basically, what they're saying is, there's no way that a proper aircraft at this altitude would be able to do any of what it's doing. Zipping and right, going sideways. Right, you're doing all those crazy and, movements. You start breaking off pieces of like the plane, the mm-hmm. wing and everything like that. Too much tension, the, I mean, like the air pressure and gravity and all that you can't right. just do whatever you want you can cause it this you can cause it to stall oh absolutely like, i mean the, the, it's it's got propulsion so, but not rockets so it's, that's the crazy thing okay because like look i mean i'm gonna try and make up any excuse for it not to be real but like you're telling me that there's like a string of lights who's said there wasn't just an aircraft that put up some lights could, it could you know be what anything saying? you know what i'm saying right that like okay maybe they're trying celebrating the holidays in the air right yeah (laughs) there you go but if it's doing all these crazy zipping motions that's different that's where it raises a lot so high up in the sky i'm guessing it's high enough for like oxygen's low it's not just someone trying to iron man this thing you know what i mean Ooh, now that'd be wild that would be your pilot you see a humanoid object and that's just a man in a suit and you're going uh are you okay the military is on something yeah um but yeah, it's the the motion. The motion like kind of sets the mystery for me right now. Right. It's tracking along and then suddenly it's rocketing around. It comes up, goes back at their speed, suddenly changes, goes backwards, goes forwards. It's very unsettling. Very unsettling. And, and what made and, it even all the while, aside from air traffic control being like, we see it, we don't see it. What right. Are they saying anything else? No, so far we don't know anything else. Oh god. Um that's but I can't even tease what comes next because oh, I'm joining, I'm coming in with you. So love it. But I do know this. I mean, the the thing that made it even more unsettling was the fact that these craft, whatever this was, it wasn't just one item following alongside them. These craft were suddenly in front of the plane. So they went from around 2,000 feet below, 600 meters, rocketing around a little bit, kind of getting really twitchy in the air, and then suddenly they're in front of the very plane that we're talking about. And when the aircraft was closest to the light beams, Terauchi described the cabin as being illuminated entirely and filled with heat even. 
So now we have some thermal kind of energy happening. So whatever this light is, it's so bright, it's making it hot. Maybe it's the light that they put on the, um, like in the buffets. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of those infrared lights. Why do you make that face? You talking about like one of those uh, Florida showers where they got those like big bulbs that you turn on. That's what I'm saying. You, you go to like a buffet, they got all them heat lamps mm -hmm. warming up the chicken, oh. right? Are you saying that the extraterrestrials are trying to get the pilots all nice and warm, trying I'm to just, keep them fresh? I'm just saying there are lights out there that heat up food. Who's to say they're not using lights to heat up planes? I'm just. It's just a big light bulb flying around. I'm just around. trying to make. <laughs> Dumb it took me a while to get there, but no. Yeah, I'm trying I to make. You. Oh, I'm I was with make, him instantly. Yeah, I was not. Yeah, yeah, that was it was mad. Christian looked at me like, "What the hell? Is this, this man lost his mind." <laughs> it took this many episodes. I would, I would gather if this was some I mean, form of propulsion, can you, you gotta that? guess it's like a rocket propulsion, or if it is extraterrestrial, you're thinking something like fusion propulsion, some sort of reactive propulsion that can emit a lot of light and a lot of energy. Mm. So now the cabin's filled with light. It's filling with heat. Terauchi could make out two objects with amber-like flames that seem to come out of multiple exhaust ports, like thrusters on a space shuttle, right? Where you have multiple rockets. I was about to say, do you see any fumes or whatnot? Because, mm -hmm. okay, then then the light is, is like flames. That, you know, that's the heat. There. Boom. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Now, these flames were joined together by something in the middle, is what he says. Now... I have a sketch here. As always, Task Force, you know to hit us up on social at RedWebPod to uh, to get any sort of the visuals that we refer to. But I'm going to let you react and describe these things real quick, Fredo. But I'm going to read the captions that they have next to it that are translated from Japanese into English. So we have the side view of a cylindrical shape as seen by the air crew. It rotated back and forth, left to right is what they said. And then there's something else, another sketch. So one looks kind of rectangular with a bunch of windows on it. It almost looks like a, a squatty skyscraper is how they drew it. Then you have the captain's impressions of what the top view would show with a complete circle of some kind. And so it had exhaust ports all around the circumference of this supposedly round craft. So go ahead and take a look at these pilot sketches and see what you think. The first one making your eyes mm -hmm. kind of squint. I mean, the first one looks like some kind of cake. I'll be honest. It's square, right? It's square. It's got like a door in the middle, mm -hmm. then a bunch of like circles and a horizontal um, row just going down. Uh, right, like a bunch of windows almost. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't look like anything that's like, this does not look aerodynamic whatsoever. No. No. This looks like this is this looked like it would be a box floating around the sky. Right. And, and then the, the, the top down is what that one is. Impression of the top view. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like a circle. This is a this is the weird. I'll be honest. It's this it's is, very rough. This is the that's rough. Also, like the most unique description of a extraterrestrial aircraft I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like that's that does not look like, that looks like a cake you pick up at a store. Right. It It's interesting. What I think this square thing is, is the side view basically showing one of the exhaust ports. Mm. And that square kind of profile would be repeated around the circumference of this cylindrical object. So when seen from top down, you'd have one at the 12 o'clock, the one yeah. o'clock, two o'clock, et cetera, all the way around. And the lights would be moving from left to right to indicate, and, and apparently indicated by these arrows that are also drawn on here. 
And so the only thing familiar to other UFO sightings or UAPs, as they're commonly referred to now, I'm going to try to swap my vocabulary. No, Unidentified aerial phenomenon is the roundness. That is a pretty common descriptor. Yeah. Other than that, I really appreciate the attempt of detail. Yep. Rather than just being like, I don't know, it was a disc. That's it. Well, I mean, like my description a long time ago was two plates stacked on <laughs> yes. top of each other and then you put a uh, teacup a little teacup on top of that boy the number of photos of people putting <laughs> the putting that description together yep on uh twitter thanks task force everyone everyone's like plate yeah everyone's <laughs> upturned a plate onto another plate and then it, and then a little teacup they said and i got a uap like, in my living room like, look i found it and i was like <laughs> I, that is how i described it that, that is, is true that is it uh <laughs> that awesome. is how it do you <laughs> um awesome. Now, coming back to the description, the flames seem to be controlled to stabilize the object. Essentially, you know, it could shoot out flames in the front to go backwards, et cetera, et cetera. And that is how they described as how it was able to dart around so much. Mm -hmm. Terauchi claimed that if viewed from the side, the craft would look cylindrical, kind of like uh, maybe a short can of soda. Tamafuji described the lights as mostly, quote, salmon colored, so like a light pink but sometimes would blink green, which would be the opposite color. Now, I know we tend to use red for stop and yeah. white on the front, and then our emergency is blue and red. I'm curious, who's to say what an extraterrestrial's logic would be? Like, let's use two complementary colors. Dude, mystery solved. Space cops. Space cops. They pulled up. Maybe they were speeding. <laughs> they're like, Dude, you they're think like, about it, like, hey, you got a license for that uh, good juice? Yeah, for for that knowledge juice. They're yeah. like, hey, pull over. I'm gonna let me let me get. A, <laughs> that's how I imagine. Dude, that's let me the get a cut of that juice. Like, they come out right. They got mm -hmm. the big heads, right. tiny bodies. <laughs> yep. And they got like space shades, and they're just like pull over. Their, their heads kind of <laughs> tilt to the side a little yeah, bit because heavy. Because their head, yeah, heavy. heavy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Biggest shades you've yep. ever seen. <laughs> yeah. They 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 tip down those aviators and they say. I want some of the juice. Mr. Pilot, pull over. Now, for a few minutes, they swayed back and forth in formation, these multiple craft, and then changed formation from one over the other, from like top down, like a stack, to okay. side by side. So they went from stacked to side by side. This thing is going nuts. It's doing a lot. <laughs> it's going nuts in front of this plane. Maybe it's like a mating ritual, you know, like when birds start to flare their Saw colors and dance. Maybe they're, maybe they, maybe this was a sentient craft like in Nope. <laughs> And they're trying to like, hey, True. that's a big, nice bird right there. That's a, that 747 is looking nice. Say? Teruuchi asked the crew to take a photo, but the autofocus on the camera wasn't working. Oh! Dang it! Of course. Could have had something tangible. Of course. Huh? It's blurry. Listen, I, I get it. The my my phone does that was to off. me. <laughs> yeah. They were trying to get that perfect F-stop. So air traffic control still did not see these objects on radar and they temporarily lost contact with the crew of JAL-1628. When they regained contact with the crew, air traffic control informed the crew that something was behind them. Oh, God. Could you imagine how scary that would be? They don't see it. And then you lose contact. It goes staticky. And you're like, great. Now we're alone with that. Yep. Then when they finally come back, they sound panicked. And they're like, hey, JAL, can you hear us? There's something behind you. That, that's a horror movie. That's a horror movie. That's what it is. So here's what they said, quote, I'm picking up a hit on the radar, approximately five miles in trail of your six o'clock position. Do you concur? But the crew did not see whatever was trailing their path. In fact, Terauchi still saw the lights at the 11 o'clock position 
12 o'clock being directly ahead of you, 11 being just to the front and left. Air Traffic Control checked in with the Elmendorf Air Force Base there in Anchorage, and they told Air Traffic Control that they picked up, quote, surge primary return that could be erroneous on their radars and said that they did not have military aircraft in the air at that time. It's very curious that whatever this thing is, it's in formation, it's interacting with this plane, and then finally showed up on air traffic control radars. Fairbanks approach control also, for what it's worth, did not see this on their radars. And that's the first object that we're going to talk about in this whole incident. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Sounds like there's another, there's a second object that we're about to dive into. God, was there just like some kind of joyriding that was going on with a bunch of adolescent like aliens and that's their what friends? I think. Like, what's that's the common thread? See, that's the most sane thing. It sounds <laughs> insane, but it's the most sane thing I can think of is that if there is intergalactic travel and that aliens have perfected it and they're here, but they're silent and stealthy, that we got a bunch of, uh, Joyriding teenagers just kind of goofing with us, you know. That's true. They're like they'll never believe this. Right? They'll never know. Their government will hide it, even if they do th like find out it's us. Mm -hmm. Okay. The fact that there's multiple is like great. Like, how are we gonna, you know, um, air traffic control telling another like countries like aircraft and communicating with their air traffic control? That could be like a you know, look. We're not testing anything. Wink, wink. You know, mm. we want to tell you our secret. I get what you're saying. Get what I'm, yeah, reaching for there. Right, so you have a Japanese crew coming from France, stopping off in Alaska. It's entirely possible that yeah. the U.S. Air Force or military, whatever, Elmendorf Air Force Base, there you go, mm -hmm. um, just kind of said, yeah, don't worry about it. Just kind of move on through. Yeah. I'd be curious to see if there's any, like, military bases that they're near or over. Just anything I can use as an excuse to make it not aliens. But, right. I mean... This, like, what would cause, I mean, we have the technology, like, we have stealth planes. That mm -hmm. Especially can, at this time. Yeah, that can go undetected. Yeah, this is where, like, we had, this is the time where we had stealth planes. And Absolutely. didn't know about it, right? Um, I don't remember off the top of my head when we declassified things. Yeah. But I do know for a fact that we had high altitude spy planes like U-2s that, I mean, were used during the Cuban Missile Crisis that could fly stealth, super high altitude use cameras to look down and photograph. But again, I know we had stealth aircraft. I don't know what level of declassification right. we're looking at. So, I mean, it is possible that that is the solution as to why it was coming up on the radar. Sure. And coming off of the radar. Right. Right. It's just, they could be messing around with stealth tech, testing mm -hmm. it out. I hit this button. I'm not on the radar. I hit right, it again. Right. I'm on the radar. <laughs> That's really interesting too, because... Yes, I mean, a lot of military action and funding was happening, especially in the mid-1900s. A lot of that going towards stealth. And it's easy to look with hindsight and be like, oh, well, all the stealth stuff is now declassified. I'm sure there's a new generation of stealth craft that we might oh, still 100%. not know about. And 100%. so who knows if this is from... Like, I'm sure they're trying to mess with every type of thing. Like right. suits that reflect like light oh, right. around you know what i mean like like technical invisibility kind yeah, of yeah i'm sure they're messing around with it all a whole type of stuff yeah i mean and then you also have don't don't forget like the idea that air traffic control is saying hey we picked up quote a surge primary return yeah what was that and i don't know exactly what that means here in context but it they're basically saying that whatever that is it's causing erroneous readings on the radar so it could be that they were just picking up a strong signal that was interfering with their radar. But I'll let Christian kind of take a look at that and see 
there's anything kind of we can define there. I mean, there's there's a primary radar and there's secondary radar, so I'm wondering if it's just a, you know, picking up a surge of something on the primary radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense to me. But, yeah, otherwise, uh, having difficulty finding exactly... It's, it feels like somebody who knows a lot of what they're talking about using some shorthand, making it hard for <laughs> us uh, regular folk to figure out what it means. I will say... Uh, just for some additional context, because you guys were talking about stealth aircraft, the first uh, operational stealth aircraft was introduced in 1983. So this was fairly recent. I guess that makes sense. Radar stealth. I'm talking like U2 was like 50s, 60s situation. Not, I don't think that's technically stealth, but more just out of sight. And then, yeah, throughout the 80s is when stealth really kicked off. For example, like the B2 was 89 is the first on book on record flight so good instinct there fredo like we're definitely in the midst of the emergence of radar stealth mm -hmm. and so you could have people that just might not understand how to interpret this yeah. early stealth could look like glitches rather than fully disappeared Yep, all these countries trying to slide into other countries' DMs mm -hmm. undetected. Like, mm, I heard you got the good juice. Coming in, taking some photos mm -hmm. so we can squeeze into our own little sippy cups. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know those planes that refuel, they dangle down that like kind of straw? Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe they were trying to say, hey, dangle, dangle down that wine pole. I, wanna, <laughs> I want some. Want Fill up our glasses. Something. That must be so expensive to transport all that wine like that. Must be. But how else do you get it around? That's true. You know? Wine's expensive, though. Yeah. All right, with that said, let's move on to the second object that they saw. So Terauchi eventually lost the two light beams that we were talking about just there prior, but soon enough spotted what he described as a much larger object trailing behind them. This might be the object that showed up on radar that air traffic control, AKA ATC, kind of pointed out that was five miles behind them. So is it like, was one like a scout? Right, like are these mm. two smaller ones like the babies? Yeah. I mean, do they detach from like the bigger ship and just go scout? Oh, that is an that's interesting. That's why they're point. hovering around. Yeah, and they kind of flagged something. Yeah, and then they're like, then they relay it back to mothership and then go, yo, yo, it's, it's interesting. You said it's, mothership. It's safe. They didn't fire back. Oh my right. god, is this thing big? It's definitely big. Okay, but it's also exactly what Terra Uchi described this aircraft as. He described it as a mothership, but oh. as they made their approach. The lights from Fairbanks illuminated a large object behind them. That's what he described as the mothership. He claimed it was twice the size of an aircraft carrier. So we're talking big, big guy flying Jesus. around. And it was surrounded by blue light. Now you said something that kind of stood out to me. You know, like you either see it in movies, but I'm sure it's pretty standard. When you have an unidentified aircraft or when an aircraft enters airspace that it's not supposed to be in, you might get a flyby. You might get a jet that pulls up next to you, hails you and says like, hey, like calls you on the yep. radio, says, hey, you're like, in restricted airspace. Right. Who are you? What are you here for? You got to get out of here. Stuff like that. Yeah. You can't just be flying into people's airspace on like. Right. Uh, like what's what are you here for? Is this an accident? Like that's or, dangerous. 100%. And so. This feels very familiar to that. Like, do we have two aircraft kind of patrolling this bigger plane, ex extraterrestrial or not? Like, and when they don't respond because maybe we don't have the technology that they do, they hail in, they call in this big ship to really go, all right, let's apply the muscle. When the crew increased the range on their radar, which is just dialing in the scan radius, they saw an object where they expected to. 
And again, we have another sketch that kind of identifies this aircraft, again, the size of two aircraft carriers, and is from the silhouette of the ship that they could see, again, because of the lights coming from Fairbanks. I'm gonna go ahead and let you take a look at this and describe it as you will. This looking like a damn walnut. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I was going to be like, it's like a squishy Saturn. And he went, this is looking like a walnut. It is. What's it all <laughs> I mean, that's exactly, that's perfectly accurate. Give me a little, like, nutcracker, and then we go to town on this. Sh um, Could you imagine they whipped out a nutcracker, and they said, ah, and they no, just beat it off? Yeah, they have the technology. <laughs> um, They're fighting back. I mean, that's what it looks like, yeah. A walnut, squishy Saturn. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, like, a disc around the middle. And yep. then, I mean, look, this is, like, Two bowls on, okay. on like <laughs> two two bowls. Okay, with Here's a hula you hoop. Uh -huh. You take you take a small cutting board. <laughs> okay, and then you take a bowl, put on the bottom. Take a bowl, put on the top. And yeah, you look at it from the side. Yep, that's what you got. I was gonna say it's kind of like a basketball with a hula hoop. That too. Yeah, but like a, but that's yeah, what I mean, man. that's what it is. That's, that's force. That's, that's exactly. what it's looking like. I'm, that's exactly what that's that the, looks like. That's the mothership. I'm talking specifically like two Ikea bowls where it that's kind of flares saying. out. And you know what? What's interesting enough too is they said it was like a pale white light, which is just like those porcelain bowls. <laughs> <laughs> but what they said was it was one and a half to two times larger in size than the previous aircrafts that they saw. So this is one. The others were two. Pale white lights on both sides of that circumventing kind of band that you yeah. described, that cutting board area. <laughs> um, but this is Terauchi's drawing. This is how they described it a month and a half for what it's worth after the sighting of this gigantic spaceship. I'm sorry, remind me if this information was already yeah, yeah. Uh, squeezed into my cup. Um, what time of day was this? Yeah, let me go ahead and top you off. Let me top you off. <laughs> this was as they were approaching Anchorage mm -hmm. at 5.11 p.m. local time. So we're getting into the evening. Yeah. And it's November, it so it's like probably still some light. At best, it's dusk. Yeah. Just given the northern elevation and given the fact that it's deep into November, you're probably gonna have the sun setting at a decent time. But this is local time to uh, Alaska. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's not of course it's not just in the middle of the day. I right. Mean, just when here. you can see it. Right. No, they're they're able to see it mostly because the uh, lights on the craft itself and also Fairbanks kind of having enough lights that they're th that's wild to me that I don't know if these are spotlights or if it's just so bright emanating from this yeah from the approach but yeah that's how they're able to see this so at this point in time they're freaking out understandably air traffic control is also very confused and they offered to scramble military jets but Terra Uchi declined because of what happened during the Mantel incident which here, let me describe that for you now. On January 7th, 1948, so nigh 40 years earlier, Kentucky Air National Guard pilot Captain Thomas F. Mantle died in a crash in his P-51 Mustang fighter plane after being sent to investigate a UFO sighting. And so because of that, Terauchi did not want to escalate this situation, didn't want to endanger anybody investigating this mysterious craft, and instead said, no, don't scramble any military jets. But it is interesting and it is worth noting that they offered to do so. I love that they offered that. Mm -hmm. Also, interesting is all hell that it was Teruchi. Teruchi, yes. Um, who was like, I must have maybe heard about it in class. 
uh, pilot class or maybe I read a book about it, mm -hmm. whatever, or it's just a tale that people told about. But the fact that like that jumped into the forefront of his mind oh, yeah. and was just like, no, 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 don't. Because I'm telling you right now, for me, it would have been a very different situation. Get everybody in like, their eyes up here. I get every man, woman, and child in the <laughs> cockpit of a plane and Send get the those, children up. Get those planes in the air five minutes ago. Yeah. No, nowadays you can scramble some drones and oh, get yeah. eyes on it. Oh, yeah. get drones real quick. Yeah. I mean, you got people in these like trailers and just like in the drone. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Damn. You can keep people safe and far away. Yeah. But get some like good 4K cameras. But I mean, up you, on could, this. you could put the whole plane in danger. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, and the that's, crew of three. That's very, that, man, that's a very interesting, like, like I'm learning about this story, but it's mm -hmm. a, that must have been just a very interesting experience and callback for Teruchi. Oh my gosh, right? Such yeah. a specific incident right. to remember and enact upon, mm -hmm. leveraging the knowledge of a past incident from 40-ish years ago. Also, another thing that you just kind of made me think about is this aircraft, at least the two that were flying ahead of this aircraft, did not seem to disturb the air much. So one thing that you need to know is like when planes come landing in, they really stir up the air behind them, especially a 747. You need to have few minutes go by before another, especially smaller craft can land after 747. So either that definitely shows how small these other two aircraft were. Okay, so let's actually let's actually figure that out. So if this mothership was one and a half to two times larger than the other ones, and it was described as twice the size of an aircraft carrier, you can kind of assume that the first two aircraft were at most the size of an aircraft carrier, if not maybe 75% of an aircraft carrier. That's still pretty big. That's large. And the fact that two of them were flying ahead of this aircraft and not disturbing the air in a dangerous manner either indicated how far away they were or indicated that there was something else strange about this aircraft. Right. Because you get these wingtip vortices kicking. I mean, and that they're will tumble manipulating a, a gravity and, and air pressure yeah. already. The, I just wanted to say, like, movement. using some of my aeronautical engineering yeah, I know. a little I mean, bit, that's like, a great that insight. stands out. That's uh, weird. You also think, too, like, I, I wonder when the smaller crafts were in front of the plane, if they picked up speed, like are planes able to draft off of each other? Kind of like uh, geese flying in formation, you can definitely pick up some efficiencies. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is so like deep in the weeds and, and obviously like, who knows, right? Like with all this happening, like I'm not gonna be checking the speed of the plane, but it'd be interesting like just to be in that moment to see if, if they were drafting off of it. Yeah. It, just, it seems like they're big enough to. Right. Whatever's going on, this this enormous craft pushing through the air is either very, very aerodynamic. And it's possible given the shape of this nigh, it's almost like a ball-shaped object. And balls are actually very not aerodynamic. But uh, whatever. Just looking at this sketch, it does seem like it has some efficiencies. But maybe that's the, what the size. Maybe the, that's what the ring around it is. The ring it, around it the It could ball. be. Because there needs to be something that like cut the wind, right? Right. But you also need to bring what's the, the biggest part is the drag. It's not pushing through the air, which is a large part of the inefficiency. That's skin drag. It's the negative pressure leaving behind it. If you yeah. you have what's called the cutta condition, which I vaguely remember, but basically you need the wind or the air rather to kind of collapse behind the vehicle. Cause if it doesn't come back together smoothly, you end up with this turbulent air kind of 
tumbling around behind could, because you have separation is what it's called. The Isn't air that separates from like, the surface, yeah. and then suddenly the air is just very turbulent, and you and it does a lot of. I mean, isn't uh, that why with drag. like um, so like cars, you see the back is all dirty just because the way they're aerodynamically yeah. designed is to pull everything yeah, exactly. to the back, and exactly. then it's like, oh, okay, all the dirt like gets pulled, mm -hmm. and, and then the cups off. If to a big the back car has ever driven past you fast, and you feel like your car get pulled gently, or yeah. If you see somebody Dude, trucks do that all the time. kick it down the road and there's dust and it billows up behind it, that's a perfect visualization yeah. of that turbulent air. But you need a cabin. You need place to store people. Yep. And so you end up with that. But I digress. The point is, like, it's amazing to see, at least from this story, enormous objects pushing through the air and not disturbing it so poorly or so much that this 747 doesn't just crash or feel the disturbance. That's interesting to me. It really speaks to some advanced technology here. Or if you're thinking like UAPs, are they even moving through space or are they bending mm -hmm. the time-space fabric around it to kind of push them around so fast? What cup are you drinking out of? Just switch cups with me. Because well, you got all the knowledge, apparently. Oh, you you got to be a little older for this cup. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's come back to the uh, the mantle incident here. So aside from offering to scramble jets, air traffic control also approved any evasive maneuvers that the plane would need to make in order to avoid a collision with this object. If it's approaching, if it's getting close, they say, you know what? Feel free to go off the planned course. Look after yourselves. Appreciate that. But obviously they're taking this very seriously and that's good to hear. Air traffic control also sent a United Airlines plane closer to JAL 1628 in order to get visual. But the crew of that airline did not see this mothership in the area. Mm. Yeah, well, it's about that time that Teruchi claimed that the mothership disappeared suddenly. Just by the time he looked forward and looked back, it was just gone. So at that point, JAL 1628 was left alone in the air, and they landed safely in Anchorage, Alaska at 6.24 p.m. local time. What a crazy, like, time that must have been. Oh, yeah. Of course, like humans we send another ship out or just like we'll send it just the just close enough like far but close enough where we can mm -hmm. see something teriyuchi's like don't send anything up here right. right i read about this man getting attacked yeah in his craft yeah or, or just something went down and yeah something and happened he crashed yeah and i mean he's also like you're not i mean that's smart he's going i'm looking at this thing i don't know what this is you can send anybody else up here you want. You're just going to endanger more people yeah. and they're going to be confused. So just trust me. I'll come back. I'll tell you what I see. I'll write it and describe it. So, man, I would have tried and snapped so many photos. Well, the autofocus. I still would have snapped away. I know. Give me the blurry orb. I just, I just would have snapped, snapped, snapped. Right. And hope that one of them caught properly in the like, autofocus. Autofocus isn't working, sure. But like... That means, did they look at it and it goes, oh, it's not focusing, I won't take one? Yeah. Or did they take some and then they're just not worth seeing? That's my question. Or they take some and... Redacted, classified. Redacted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now you're now you're speaking. They should have sent up second plane with like... You should, a, you're talking about Task Force One? Task Force One. Yeah. Should have gone up. We, we learned from this incident. Hmm. Um, should have, we should have sent them up with a telescope. Right telescope and a microscope yeah that way you can make it look further away <laughs> yeah you can be hella, hella they're like you could be hella far they're away. like ooh, that looks small <laughs> because yeah so that's a microscope <laughs> no yeah it's uh 
Ah, oh, man, that's that's so interesting. Perfect time. But then again, if there was a, a what is it? An I, a UAP? UAP. UAP. Yeah. If it was a UAP, yeah, I could see it veering off and just bailing on the whole thing because it's like, okay, there's another one of these now. Right. Like, Imagine it's a sky creature, like a, a whale. I know it sounds ridiculous, but just bear with me. Imagine, you know, like it's an unidentified creature of some kind. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of theories that there's things under the ocean that we don't know about and that a lot of people think that these UAPs come from the ocean. Now, it's like a mama whale and it's two babies. Maybe it's two babies. We're getting up to no good. And, so, and the mama's like, hey, stop messing around with these humans. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And then mama picks up the babies and then they all leave. I take Feels it. Like I that. take it back. I don't want your sippy cup anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, dang it! I think I mixed the batches up. You got some of mine. You got some of mine. All right. But yeah, I mean, you you you've mentioned this and hinted at this a couple yeah. times. Like some people think that the aliens come from the sea, and I was like, oh, that's a cool theory. Watching, you know, Wakanda Forever made me start yeah. thinking about that even more. Beautiful movie. Yeah, cool movie. Yeah, gorgeous. Well done. Anyway, movie podcast about mysteries. Hello there, Task Force. It is that time, the intermission zone where I talk to you. Uh, we have the holiday season coming up, so there's a lot to talk about, but I'll keep it brief. Boom! Pin of the month right now is Nessie. If you want to capture that illustrious, elusive Loch Ness Monster on an enamel pin and add that to your collection, you can do so right now, today, at store.roosterteeth.com. As with every pin of the month, always the first Monday of the month, we got that pin dropping so go ahead and get that going before it sells out. Additionally, if you want to support the show with a few dollars a month, you can listen to this show 24 hours early, and there's a few different ways to do that. If you want Red Web Premium, you can just do that by going to redwebpod.com, $2.99 a month, and you can listen to us 24 hours early and support us by doing so and getting that premium. Or if you want to upgrade just a little bit, you can still get the show 24 hours early, but you also get a plethora of exclusive content on Rooster Teeth first by going to roosterteeth.com slash sign up and you will be able to listen to us 24 hours early as well as every other Rooster Teeth podcast that we make and get that 24 hours early and there's exclusive shows. I was a part of a cooking show that we just did with a sister podcast called Face Jam. It was called Trucked Up. So if you want to see what I do in a food truck kitchen, maybe you don't want to see that, food poisoning, okay? Uh, it happens and it went down. It was a whole lot of fun. I also host a show called Survive Block Island. It is our love letter to the show Survivor, all done in Minecraft. So there's a lot there to take in and watch as, a, as, a, as an exclusive first member. Again, roosterteeth.com slash sign up in order to uh, support the show and also get some cool stuff along the way. And with the holidays coming, you can also get that for a friend of yours. It's a nice, easy, fun gift to spread the love of the task force goodness. Okay, I hope you all are having a nice warm holiday season. I know I'm gonna say that a lot these coming weeks, but I mean it. I'm very grateful for every single one of you listening and supporting this show. Uh, your words of encouragement, your engagement on social media, your reviews, those five stars are coming through every single week. So we really appreciate all that stuff. The people that take their time to do these little things that support this little show called Red Web and have enabled us to do Case Files, which has been so fun to do, and we just filmed the finale of that, so go check that out over on our YouTube channel. All right, with all that said, all the Red Web kind of business underway, let's talk about some of today's fantastic sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by HelloFresh. It's the most festive time of the year, and HelloFresh is there to help make the most out of every moment. 
From holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. HelloFresh can help you eat better amid all the holiday temptations. Their meals have 20% fewer calories than takeout, so you can still have the full flavor that you're seeking without all the guilt. Whether you're hosting a holiday party or just stocking up on snacks, you'll find everything you need at HelloFresh Market. From quick breakfast to charcuterie boards and desserts, it's never been easier to prep for a party or fill your pantry. I've used HelloFresh many a time at this point for many of our task force listeners. You'll know that, but I enjoy HelloFresh because it's always fresh and it's always tasty. I thought of myself as a picky eater, but I think HelloFresh has shown me that might not be the case. I eat all sorts of goodies that come to my door. My favorite part too is that you get to keep the recipes. They're easy to follow along. They're pictures with brief descriptions if you need it. So it's kind of like a simplified recipe and uh, it's super easy to follow along and it makes you feel like you know what you're doing in the kitchen and you kind of learn along the way too. So you will know what you're doing in the kitchen. I've revisited so many of the recipes that they've given me as well as all the fresh recipes that they continue to offer. It's been really great, honestly. So if that sounds interesting to you, go to hellofresh.com slash redweb18. That's redweb18. And use code redweb18 for 18 free meals You'll be eating good, plus free shipping. Once again, that's 18 free meals plus free shipping with code REDWEB18 when you visit hellofresh.com slash REDWEB18. This episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Life doesn't come with a user manual, unfortunately, so it's easy to feel stuck when things aren't working for you. Navigating any of life's challenges can make just about anyone feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure these things out, whether they're challenging emotions or learning productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine known as you. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist any time. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash redweb. Once again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash redweb. This episode of Red Web is also brought to you by Uncommon Goods. It's officially holiday time, and that means tons of shopping, struggling to find the perfect, unique gift, whatever it might be. But it's okay, because there's a secret weapon out there to help cut down your shopping time, Uncommon Goods. They scour the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. It doesn't matter who you're shopping for, your secret Santa, your entire family, that one friend with a birthday too close to Christmas like myself. Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want and they have a plethora of items to enable you to get it. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are of high quality, they're unique, and often handmade or made in the United States. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. And when you shop with Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. I really enjoyed my experience shopping on Uncommon Goods' website because it was so easy to navigate and not only did they compartmentalize everything nicely, but they also provided a wide variety. I mean, truly a wide variety of things. And I actually landed on something that is, uh, it was the retro picture changer. If you know what I'm talking about, you look into this little thing and you click the button on the side and it 
scrolls through slides and you can have those be custom photos of your own. So I have that at home. I have several photo wheels that sit alongside it. And so now whether it's just me sitting along uh, next to my coffee table or guests coming over, they want to pick that thing up and they want to scroll through all the photos that I have. And they're like family photos, me and my significant other. It's such a cool little gift. And it's like, it provides that personal touch like they talk about. So they truly do have a bunch of uncommon, unique gifts. And I really enjoyed browsing their website. Super easy to navigate. If you want to get 15% off your order at Uncommon Goods, you need to go to uncommongoods.com slash redweb. Once again, that's Uncommon Goods slash redweb to get 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer, Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. With that said, let's dive right back into the mystery. So let's talk about the investigation before we head into the theories. Lots of juicy deets in the theories. So stick around, my babies. But let's talk about the investigation that absolutely went down because, and thank goodness it did. No one's gaslighting okay. these folks good, going, good, yeah, good, you good, just good. saw a well, thing. I mean, you have multiple, like, you have three dudes. You have multiple, like, you have people in the sky, then you have different countries or mm -hmm. wherever it is along the, the flight path. Mm -hmm. um, they're uh, like air towers, just like, we're seeing stuff. Like, right. come in, come out, come in, come out. Like, so, you know. The spookiest know. thing to me still is, hey, you've got essentially a bogey on your six. There's something on the radar that we don't know what it is, but it's right behind you. And they go, we don't, we don't see it. And then the two small ones disappear just when they finally see on their yeah, radar the big thing behind them. This isn't like a fighter scary. jet. You're not going to barrel roll this thing. <laughs> right. Well, you could. <laughs> well, yeah. Be, the oof. slowest barrel roll ever. Yeah. Spilling wine. Okay, so after the strange flight, the FAA, a.k.a. the Federal Aviation Administration, began to investigate this incident. The crew was interviewed by the FAA the very same day that this occurred, so you're going to get that immediate response. I love that. Mm-hmm. They all had seen the strange lights, though in Tsukuba's interview, he claimed that he only saw lights, not objects. Interesting distinction. So he was the flight engineer as compared to the pilot and the first officer. Now... About a week after the incident, the Alaskan region of the FAA contacted the Chief of Accidents and Investigations, John Callahan, to see what message they would put out to the media regarding this UFO. Again, I'm using UFO because it's timely. I think we will find a distinction at some point yeah. in time, depending on when stories land. But Callahan wanted all available documentation, but only received everything from the Anchorage Air Traffic Control. Bless this ATC tower. Sounds like they are at the heart of this thing, helping see things on radar, helping communicate, helping share documents. Bless them. Look, it'd be very frustrating, this has happened before, if they were just withholding information. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, we all saw this thing. Right. We thought we saw something we couldn't describe or quite identify what it is. Let's all get on the same page here. Maybe we find something interesting. Right. Also, is this a threat? that we need to be aware of. That's true. That's we just the standard, the like, this could be just a threat. <laughs> uh-huh. So Callahan played all of these tapes at the same time to listen to the conversation as it would have been heard during the incident and then recorded it. Oh, can we get that? Do we Do we have access to that, Christian? What? The recording? Yeah. Do a little social content, make a bonus thing, and just listen to that recording I and mean, react? I would listen to oh. that. We can definitely look into it. I don't know if it's available. Okay, Ooh, so if it see. is available, check us out then, on social. Yeah, Red Web at Red Web Pod. Except for TikTok, where somebody parked it 
I see you, Task Force. I appreciate it. But <laughs> we have the Red Web on TikTok yep. where we post some mini mysteries, stuff like that. All unique content over there. But yeah, if we can find it, that would be so cool to listen to. So Callahan claimed this recording was shown in a meeting between the CIA, FBI, Reagan's scientific study team, as well as uh, Vice Admiral Donald D. Engen. In December of 1986, Terauchi spoke to Kyoto News about his experience. Japan Airlines demoted Terauchi to a desk job as a punishment for telling the press about the incident. He was then reinstated as a pilot years later. What? I mean, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. You don't know what it is. You don't know? You don't know if it's real or not. Right. Stuff like this can like rattle society. Absolutely. And it can cause the extremes of like riots and uproar because it kind of like changes and shakes the reality of what we know. Absolutely. So it's like, unless you really know and you're just like in danger or possible danger, I don't know if I would just go start telling the press, you know what I mean? Right. And on the other footing too, like from the skeptic's perspective, you have to think, does this create a bad image? Does this person kind of going on about aliens and mysterious aircraft make them look like they've gone buck wild? Like, yeah. they're, like they're suddenly making up a bunch of stories. True. And what does that say then about the discipline or the instruction yeah. behind the Japanese pilots? And so you start questioning the pilots that um, that Japan has. Cetera, right. For what reason, really? I'm not and saying that that's like the like best way to look at it. Was but, a rival like country using some kind of tech to invade airspace? It's like you don't want to give all the information out. You don't want to give any information out. So I'm not saying like it was the appropriate move because like in my mind, I'm like, I would be talking about it. That's wild. Oh, yeah. I would love but to talk about I it. I guess I can kind of get it from a bureaucratic kind of way. Yeah. But anyway, he was reinstated as a pilot years later. Now, the crew was interviewed again in January of 1987, a few months later, and Teruchi told the FAA the object he saw was in fact a UFO. This is where he's confirming it is in fact an unidentified flying object. Okay, sat with it for a while, mm -hmm. and then I was like, nope, I saw what I saw. Yep, memory stayed true, and this is about the time where he also made those sketches. On March 5th, 1987, about four months after JAL 1628, the FAA released their findings at a press conference. The FAA Public Affairs Officer of Alaska, Paul Stuckey, claimed, quote, the FAA did not have enough material to confirm that something was there. So the FAA documents and the ATC and investigation are publicly available. You can go check those out now if you're interested in task force. I know you like to get hands on. There are over 1,500 pages related. Oh my God. Oh yeah. A lot of pages related to this incident shared by the Black Vault, a repository of US government documents gained through the Freedom of Information Act requests. So if you're not an American, that's essentially, I don't know if it's a bill, but it's an act essentially where you can request of information that has since been laid to rest, something that isn't an active investigation or isn't actively going to impede the security of the nation right. or an ongoing thing. You can say, hey, here's a freedom of information request. And then if the conditions are right, they can then give it to you. Wow, so this is a site that just logs all that? I guess so, called the Black Vault. Aptly named, I suppose. Yeah, good name. But there you have it. And that's kind of where we are left after this uh, this flight incident and this UFO seeing 
witnessing the sighting. What? <laughs> Incident. <laughs> seeing, witnessing. This UFO seeing. But with that, let's move on to the theories. Mm-hmm. One of them, a little shorter, but you definitely nailed it when we started thinking about the time frame that, that we were in. Callahan himself was actually a pretty big proponent of this first theory, and he theorized that the objects that were seen in the air that night may have been B-2 spirits. B-2 spirit is a bomber that, again, had its first flight, I believe, if memory serves, in uh, 1989, and so it's entirely possible that there were test flights Mm -hmm. before that. The B-2 spirit is an American heavyweight strategic bomber that was designed during the Cold War. It's one of those ones that's kind of the wing shape. Yeah, it is. It's not the B-1, which is kind of angular and very polygonal, where it's like kind of pyramidal. It's the very flat. uh, If you look at it from the side, it actually has the profile of like a sparrow, where the front kind of hooks down a little bit. It's a big triangle where the back is kind of serrated. It's a gorgeous looking plane, but also very interesting where the whole plane itself is an airfoil. It's It's a uniform shape where the fuselage blends into the wings. So it's a very unique design. Fort Richardson and Fort Wainwright Army bases are located in Anchorage Mm -hmm. and Fairbanks, Alaska. So that's kind of in the area that they were. This would have placed them near the flight path of JAL 1628. And these military bases could have been doing some test flights of the B-2 Spirit bombers, which, for what it's worth, emit afterburners that the pilots may have mistaken for UFO light beams. They also could have mistaken this kind of advanced propulsion or something far more advanced than what they were aware of. Mm. If you've ever ever seen like an SR-71 taking off, they kick those afterburners and you get those diamond shock waves that come out. They look beautiful. But if you've never seen afterburners like this, yeah, it can look like a plasma Uh, sort of propulsion. Yeah, I mean, like, who's to say they're, you know, this seems like a flight path that is not as dense as others. Mm Mm-hmm. And so far away from a lot right. of things. So it's like, okay, hey, send it up there, test it out. How close can we get? What did they see? How did they react? Like, you know, I'm sure they're taking notes like crazy. If we come in this close or at this elevation, this height, that could be why it was changing directions and speed all over the plane. Right. They're just testing. Can they see us now? I mean, honestly, like, can they see us now? They also can they see us now. Simply like, enough, it could be human error. They might have not yeah. known that a plane was coming through, and they might have also just been like. There's no way they're going to see this. Also, there's a lot of ignorance in the early days about what stealth was. Was this radar stealth? Yes. Was this visible stealth? No. But True. a pilot, not an engineer, could could simply think, no, there's no way they're going to see us because we're stealth. So they take off. They start using their burners. They start moving quickly. It could work. Now, the maneuvers that were described, maybe not so That's, much. Yeah, it seems the, a little... The roundness, maybe not so much, but... I don't know. The next theory. Now, this one is kind of coming from research by journalist and UFO researcher slash skeptic Philip J. Class. The crew might have been seeing light from... Okay, I'm going to give a pause and a breath because it does feel like you're about to take a big gulp from my sippy cup. But let's just say simply was this astronomical phenomenon. Philip J. Class himself is saying that the crew might have seen light from Jupiter and the moon. What? Swamp gas exploding in the air, reflecting and refracting off the moon. Like, it does sound silly. What? Jupiter's not that bright in the sky. Look, I'm not smart whatsoever, but that, I feel like you scientists need to get on the page here. Is there something like 
that happens or doesn't happen. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It feels I feel outlandish. like knowing absolutely nothing. I feel like there's a lot of scientists out there that are going, that's just not true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's it, off of going, going off of nothing. Right. But I'll leave it to the task force I, to determine which is more realistic or more insane. The, the moonlight and Jupiter light or the UFO, right? Both very different, but also very far-fetched realities. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's a look. I would not have guessed that theory. So let's dive into this a little more because it does sound on the surface a little bit uh, on the wild side. In the southeast, Jupiter could be seen brightly and low in the sky at twilight, which is when this went down. This was the same direction that Terauchi claimed to see the lights. Mars was just below Jupiter, which could also explain why Terauchi saw two lights. It's not going to explain how he thought they were 2,000 feet away. It's not going to explain the size that he thought they were or the vivid description that he had for them. But it is really worth mentioning that these two planets are usually the, some of the first, air quotes, stars that you see in the sky. You see a very bright star, Right. Odds are you're seeing a planet yeah. in our solar system. So in interviews with the FAA, Tamafuji said he could not discern the lights as being different from a star. So that is really worth thinking about. Ooh. And he also said he didn't see objects. He just saw the light. Yeah. And what they saw behind them and in front of them may have simply been moonlight reflecting on icy clouds. Moon being a much more bright object, much bigger in relation to the stars and the in the planets, but this could explain why the lights appeared to flicker and be extremely fast moving in front of the plane and moving around. It doesn't really address what they saw on the radar, but class claims that the crew saw on the radar behind them was actually not an aircraft, but instead the mountain range. Because they the aircraft crew didn't see it until they tweaked their range. Right, they upped it. Maybe they popped the mountain, they they blipped it. But what does that say about air traffic control? They were seeing something blip in and out. And at 35,000 feet, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. That is a wrinkle, mm. but it sounded uh And if this is something that really happens, you know, the like the amount of people that guess that they're seeing a UFO mm -hmm. that could actually be seeing like reflections of like Saturn and the moon and stuff. That's pretty crazy. It's very wild. I'm just trying to think of how, you know, you would, be so convinced for the sake of seven minutes seeing, describing this thing. But hey, it answers my Maybe concern. Never seen it it wasn't impacting the air. It yeah. wasn't interfering physically. Yeah. Mm. So what sounded outlandish, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something there. If the conditions are just right. That's such a wild theory. It I is. love it. It's wild as hell. All right, let's move on to, I think, what could be considered the uh, elephant in the room, the UFO in the room. Because there are many people who consider what happened during the JAL Flight 1628 to be one of the most convincing pieces of evidence for the existence of UFOs. Terauchi was an ex-fighter pilot with over 10,000 flight hours. Whoa. Um, so, a lot of good experience here. He actually lived in Anchorage and had likely flown a very similar route many times before. He believed that whatever was following the plane wanted something. Telling you they're coming for that, that just saying. wine. Oh no! Oh my god, he says, okay, this is no joke. This is in my outline of my research. I said I I dove into this with you blind this episode. He said perhaps the wine they carried. He's saying whatever was following them wanted to get after that wine. 
what I tell you. Listen. Get me psychic. My little psychic globe. Right. Okay. This man needs a magneto All helmet. Right. They were out here for that knowledge juice. I'm I'm telling you. What kind of knowledge <laughs> is in that, that juice? To say to say that like for the wine. That's that's crazy. That's out there. That was just something what I threw. That's stuff that I just threw out there. Yeah, yeah. what else would they want? Maybe they thought it was something else that was important. Right. Maybe they were just trying to like, I don't know, buzz the tower. What are they trying to hijack a plane for though? This is right. not Air Force One. That, that would be akin to us flying an F-35 in like 1600 and buzzing a ship. <laughs> yeah. The Mayflower or something. And being like, we want that. <laughs> and, and the juice on it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the big aircraft that came behind it. That's what he was saying. But regarding the two smaller crafts, they moved from below the plane to right in front of the plane at a high speed. And Teriyuchi said this, It is impossible for any man-made machine to make a sudden appearance in front of a jumbo jet that is flying 910 kilometers an hour or 565 miles per hour and to move along in a formation paralleling our aircraft. I mean, they are moving pretty quick and they did, whatever this thing is, moved pretty quickly in front of them. The only thing that could do that without really impeding their movement would be a light or a severely advanced aircraft. Hmm. So after Callahan met with high-ranking military officials and information specialists, he claimed in 2001 that one of the air quotes CIA men, to use his words, told the group that this meeting didn't happen. Callahan implied that they were attempting to cover it up. However, others who attended the meeting also claimed that this was not said whatsoever. So now we have Callahan in the picture throwing a, a little bit of exaggeration around. Never helps. Like, is he or is he just like, all right, guys, on the same page? Wait, what the hell, guys? Thought we were on the same page. You right, I mean? right. Then don't forget, Callahan was also the one talking about the yet to be declassified and known of B-2 spirit bombers. So, yes, he could be exaggerating. On the other hand, Maybe he's being honest and everybody else is trying to continue keeping this classified given the heightened state of this socio-political world at the time yeah. or geopolitical world at the time. Moreover, before the crew spotted the mothership in the recording logs, ATC informed the JAL crew of an object on the radar as well as the radar. So again, the notes are just indicating there was something there. That's the wrinkle that the astronomical phenomenon theory misses right. is that something was blipping on the radar. First intermittent, Second was something behind them. But other planes did not see anything in the area, right? We brought that United Airlines nearby. Yeah. Nothing. So it's it's really a mess. The crew themselves could have been primed to see something behind them, given the fact that the air traffic control reached out saying something was behind them. Then they said they didn't see anything, but then eventually they did. So, you know, priming is a very big placebo effect in, in human psychology. Yeah, it is. Now, strangely, other pilots traveling along the same areas reported strange activity during their flights. Let's talk about that. January okay. 29th. Yeah. So two months-ish later, January 29th, 1987, Alaskan Airlines Flight 53 was heading from Nome, Alaska to Anchorage, a very similar landing destination. During the flight, the unnamed pilot reported seeing an object on a weather radar moving very quickly, speeding right in front of them. The ATC saw nothing on the radar and said no military aircraft was active nearby. No visual object with this mysterious blip was reported outside of 
this kind of anecdote here. The next day, on January 30th, 1987, a KC-135 cargo plane was heading to Fairbanks, Alaska and spotted an object to their left. ATC reported again, no air traffic, and the object disappeared out of sight very quickly thereafter. So well, the towers weren't picking it up? Towers weren't picking it up this time. Huh. So now you have, in a very tight time window of about two to two and a half months, three very vivid eyewitness accounts of something in the air that is, is almost, and isn't popping up on the I almost radar. wish it wasn't a public like statement to the news or anything like that. Mm. It'd be a whole different story if it's like nothing was said publicly, but then these other crafts, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, what, they all just hang out and they heard the stories or something? Yeah. Like, Right. If if these yeah, were all placebo it, effect, exact, exactly. Like maybe they were all primed, but if they were all done in in a vacuum, yeah. in isolation, that would be much more compelling. It would be. But again, what's a UFO if not a yet to be declassified stealth aircraft? That is I technically mean, an unidentified flying object. Yep. So I do think that there is a big shared middle ground here between the B two Spirit aircraft and the UFO idea. Could it? Should it? Do I want it to be an extraterrestrial? Sure. I love that idea. But given the proximity and yeah. the information behind the B-2 stuff, I don't know. Very close. Mm -hmm. It's very close. Also, given the Russian-American tensions, Alaska is in a prime spot to start testing and having these stealth aircraft. That's just the fact. I mean, I'm leaning on that so far. Yeah. We have two more smaller theories. So let's talk about those. Could this have been a split radar image? After the FAA's investigation, Paul Stoicki claimed that while the ATC, air traffic control, claimed to have seen objects on the radar, this was, quote, a split radar image or, quote, uncorrelated primary and beacon target. Again, we start to get into the jargon, Whoa. but I think that has to do with what Christian was saying between the two radar images. It could have been, in Paul's kind of opinion here, that the ATC was seeing something and it was just unfortunate timing that whatever this glitch was, it happened to happen during this time of JAL 1628 seeing something themselves and that they were just actually uncorrelated that one party was seeing a phenomenon of some sort. Right. And the other party, air traffic control, was seeing a glitch on their technology and like on their radar systems I mean, and stuff like that. That's a big coincidence. Very. But I want to quote Paul Stoichy here. This occurs, quote, when the radar energy that is sent toward the aircraft, primary signal, returns to the radar receiver along with the aircraft transponder, the beacon, signal, and the two do not match up as being the exact same location. Okay, so that's what's uh, happening. Oh, okay. It's getting like a delay of the location. Yes. Making it appear like it was that there's two now. The ping going out and the transponder of the aircraft sending a signal back are miscommunicating. And that's what the uncorrelated target means. And so you are basically saying, oh my God, there's something behind you. No, 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 no. That's actually just a duplicate signal from the yeah. plane and that it's actually the plane showing up itself twice, five miles apart. Here, here's mm. the thing though. Like that seems like it's common enough. It has a terminology. Mm -hmm. You think they'd be trained to know how to read that. Right. It's like, oh, like, why didn't they rush to it's, you know, this common, like, error glitch right. delaying the system. If the pilot can a, remember a, a it, mirror image. Oh, absolutely. 
if a pilot can remember an incident from 40 years ago and use right. that knowledge, you'd think air traffic control could maybe go, ah, this is an oddity. There isn't actually anybody supposed to be behind you. So what could be happening is, is this common glitch. It's a good point. All right, let's talk about the last theory. Classic, was this a hoax in some way? While it's possible that the pilots did see a UFO that night, it's also possible they mistook an astronomical phenomenon as something more. The pilots also could have fabricated their sightings into something larger as a way to get attention from the media and locals. That is a common trend that we talk about. Yeah, unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's something that you always see in the theories. The only wrinkle, in my opinion, to that is that Terauchi could have very likely, maybe not anticipated being demoted to a desk job, but if he would have known that spiraling and exaggerating the yeah. story into something bigger would have we'll had to that. Right, repercussions, then would they have actually done that? I mean, is it worth risking it then if you just go, I guess, slap on the wrist, get a desk job for a couple of years, but the potential being, I don't know, rich, a little bit richer, a little bit more famous. But do they actually know. make money off it? I don't know, books and... Yeah. Script. Yeah, maybe. I gotta get a movie. Talk right. shows or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, if it was just a hoax, Teruuchi and his crew reports may have primed other pilots flying the same route, as you kind of yeah. indicated, to see the same kind of peculiar lights and objects. According to the FAA documents shared with Philip Class, Captain Teruuchi was known as a, quote, UFO repeater. So maybe this is why he had that otherwise niche knowledge of that incident many decades prior. Uh. Yeah. Apparently, he reported seeing UFOs twice, two times before this incident, as well as two times after this incident. Oh, man, you can't be running around calling UFO like... He's the boy you, that cried UFO. Come on, you're not... like. I doubt you're a beacon. Mm. <laughs> right Where he, they're just got, like we just keep going after stuff. this guy <laughs> and no one's gonna believe him they wanted something it, you know what that's a good point in uh, looking at all this information it seems that Terauchi is the most vocal about this these are his drawings and even the flight engineer himself was saying I didn't see objects I just saw lights so that does it does track did this is your lights, third of five though. did see lights did see lights that's true. So Tsukuba and Tamafuji did not refer to what they saw that night as UFOs. And that's the main kind of support that this idea of a hoax or at least exaggeration yeah. has going for it. I can't believe I'm going to settle on the damn theory of the light refracting off of Saturn or the moon. And and then from there causing some kind of like, like light reflective yeah. image. And then that's what they saw. Because it really me, feels like that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. If you have a cloud that's just translucent enough that you can see the planets through it, but it fogs them up a little bit. Yeah. And, and it creates this almost glow look. I can see someone who wants to see uh, some sort of phenomenon might be inclined to say, oh my gosh, right. look. And then the, the other two are going, uh, I don't know, man. We have, kind of looks it like lights. Teruchi. Teruchi, yep. It was just like, I've reported on UFOs before reports after but then during that moment has talked about ufos before i'm sure he's probably mentioned like oh man like i've seen some stuff you know what i mean mm -hmm. and then he sees some lights and he's like i'm telling what i tell you I, i've seen stuff right yeah like it does feel like a, a conjunction of a lot of things those theories feel so valid in so many different ways like i could yeah. almost see several of them as always kind of combining 
You have the radar glitches combined with the fact that you have cutting edge stealth aircraft, combining the fact with someone who is inclined to whatever they're seeing, could be stealth aircraft, to chalk it up to an unidentified flying object. It could object. be just the perfect cocktail that made this story mm -hmm. what it is today. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been, let me, let me pull out the mouthful again. The Japan Airlines cargo flight 1628 incident. Ooh. A very compelling, that was a really refreshing UAP story. I really actually enjoyed going into that one without because well, it all the took knowledge. place in the air. I mean, yeah, you driving into it with me, it's awesome. Yeah, because you go, wait, what the? Blame it on the wine. Um, but it's cool because like a lot of the UAP stuff, UFO stuff, like it's been just you get some action in the air, mm -hmm. but a lot of it's described from like people on the ground right. seeing stuff, and then occasionally a mixture of like that. And like jets scrambling. This all took place in the air. Oh, yeah. The only other time you really see this stuff is when fighter pilots are tracking something. True. And they they catch something on camera. And even then, you know, you've seen like there's a there's a group of YouTubers that are CGI experts that they're a great group of dudes, Corridor, Corridor digital. digital. Yeah. Uh, they've analyzed footage like that and have tried to debunk it. Because when you have two things moving at different paces at different trajectories in the air. Even if it's a known entity like a bird or a plane or Superman, it, it's going to look a little <laughs> odd or, or it can, especially when you have millions of flight hours happening across the globe every yeah. year. But that doesn't change the fact that I love a good UFO story. Oh, yeah. And I will continue to indulge in them till the end of my days. Well, because I feel like if we were to be in contact with extraterrestrials, more than likely it would start from the sky. Oh, yeah. And an interaction with like our airspace and them invading our airspace. Mm -hmm. What's your move? Mothership starts touching down. It's a rival. And they, you know, they don't care that you see them. What's the move? What uh, I get do? radios. I get supplies. I get out of any major city. I bunker down to see if like they find a solution. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it's like science. Like they don't like water. Cool. I'm getting water guns. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Water guns, <laughs> water balloons, come at me. Strange planets swing with the away hydrophobic. <laughs> yeah. That, like, I was like, cool movie. That was terrifying. You know the, the demons theory on that? No. That they, that they were actually, uh, that it was more of a religious film and that they were actually demons and that the water, given, I'm not going to spoil the whole story, but given the, right. the nature of that family uh, and the daughter, that that was actually holy water. I choose to subscribe to that theory just because that movie is so much better when you look at it that way. I, I it's love already good, a good movie. I, I feel like I, I need to take the I red web it. and actually make a movie podcast with you, Fredo, because I love movie theories. Uh, yeah. I feel like we just need to dig into that into sometime, like a spinoff. You can tell we're hungry for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those good wild job. movie theories are so much fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. All right. Well, with that, we leave you all uh, to to enjoy the rest of your your holiday season. I mean, we're we're here every week, but I... I just wanted to go ahead and shout out the holiday season coming. I hope you all have a wonderful, safe, and cozy time with your family, however you celebrate. Yep. And then the first Monday of every month, we drop that pin of the month club. So we have a Krampus one coming in December. Yeah. Oh, no, Krampus is November. Oh, Krampus oh is November. that's already happened. My bad. Oh. I'm just excited for the Krampus episode <laughs> that we have coming. That's also what I was going to ask. Are we doing, we're doing Krampus? We're doing, we're Krampus. doing Krampus. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. we should do for like Christmas. We should do stuff like Krampus. Yeah. And it's happening. Yep. This episode will be December 19th. So mark your calendars. Ooh, That's the release. Perfect. The week yeah. before yeah. Christmas. That's a little birthday you gift your, to me. Yeah, get your tea, get your hot chocolate, cozy on up. 
next mm-hmm. to a fire or digital one. Doesn't yeah. matter. They're digital. Yeah. Safer that way. All right. All right. Well, with that, Fredo, I'll see you oh, right next. Christian, oh, what? I was just huh? actually want to, just because we got excited about it earlier, I want to yeah. go back to what we talked about with the recorded audio of the, the interviews. Oh. Unfortunately, the it looks like the audio is not available. It has not been digitized, but I fell down the black vault rabbit hole that all the transcripts are available. <gasps> okay. We'll, we'll read through the transcripts. You we'll can at totally least do read that. read through everything they oh, have. Yeah. What if we, we can reenact it? Oh, my God. Oh, man. That could be a Christian, really cool idea. You reenact it with Jillian, and then Fredo and I will react to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, with that cliffhanger, Fredo, I'll see you right back here next Monday for another mystery. Krampus. <laughs> 